Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, lovely listeners. We're back for another episode Oh, we've got quite a wide-ranging one for you today, I think. We've been chatting about just what it's like to do business at the moment. And, you know, hearing some of the things my clients are telling me and the stuff that Fee and I are talking about, some of those experiences. And, and we realise that there's there's quite a lot of sticky and trickiness things coming up at the moment, seems to be, for a lot of people. And so we wanted to chat around red flags, ghosting, boundary setting, setting and managing expectations, all of those kind of things that make business tick along. And when mm. when things get a bit tricky, they can be they can be quite small instances, can't they? But that can really trip us up. And if we're not careful and if we don't approach things strategically, can send us into a bit of a spiral around, oh my God, am I actually doing the right thing? Am I running a good business? Am I even valued by my clients? You know, oh, this is all getting a bit much or, mm. or, or even just take some of the joy out of it. Yeah. All right, so let's see where this exploration goes. Can't wait. So how are you, lovely Fee? I'm really good. I've got some really exciting stuff going on. So Cecilina and I decided that we would record a website photography course. So we've been getting together, which is lovely, actually, because... I work on my own so often. I mean, we collaborate often, don't we? And I really love that connection. So Cecilina and I have been working together a lot, which has been really nice. I have got some lovely styling jobs coming up. And two new projects came off last week, which is really exciting. So yeah, so there's lots of stuff happening. And it yeah, it feels really exciting. How about you? How are you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm really good. I've had a lovely long weekend and about to go on another lovely long weekend. So I sort of feel like I'm, I'm sort of dodging working responsibilities at the moment, um, although not really. Yeah, the client, client stuff has been going really well. I've got some such exciting people coming out of the woodwork. Mm. And it seems to be, there seems to be a bit of a theme at the moment of people wanting to be a little bit disruptive. So people who are quite heavy hitters in their industry in relatively mainstream industries but are covert radical change makers mm-hmm. which of course I love yeah um, and they're sort of coming out of the woodwork now going well I want to just shake things up a bit in this you know <laughs> particular you know oh. large corporate thing how can we do that in a way that's they're not talking really to the right job? person then well exactly so we're sort of this covert radical movement is happening with um postmenopausal women which is amazing amazing <laughs> amazing and having, you know, recently got on the old HRT, that which is a massive game changer, can't recommend it enough. Uh, <laughs> life is great. So, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. But, however, I have had some conversations with a few clients this week who've been really derailed by what seems to be quite common at the moment of this sort of feeling of being ghosted. Mm. And Well, I've had that as well, interestingly. 
Yeah, so this this seems to be happening a fair bit for people. You know, people are very excited about their business. They get an inquiry in, they send out their lovely media kit, um, mm. and or they have a in the case of some of my clients who are other coaches, you know, they have a discovery call or they have a conversation and then tumbleweed, nothing happens. And it's quite an interesting space that I think a lot of people go into now because the market's changing mm. and people are potentially a little bit more reticent about just reflexively spending money than they used to be. Mm. But I'm noticing two different things happening almost with the entrepreneurs that are experiencing this. And one is a sort of, that's okay, go with the flow. People are busy. There's not much time. People are being a little bit cautious. I'll just I'll just move on to the next thing and see what happens. Mm. Sort of kind of go with the flow mentality. But for other people, and I think this is quite common, it's creating a real spiral effect mm. of, you know, almost doubt. Um, oh, crikey, am I priced right is my offering actually okay? Am I any good? Why am I not getting the right people? Mm. You know, a whole load of sort of self-doubt spiralling, which then takes the business and takes them in a very different direction. Mm. So I thought it might be useful just to unpick some of that, really, because you've had similar experiences, haven't you? Well, I have. So I, I, one of the projects that I've just taken on, you know, she has said to me in a meeting, yes, definitely want to go ahead, get me some dates, let's get started, so, you know, she's given me all the cues. But yeah, she, I think I would have sent that over, I don't know, 10 days ago, probably. Mm. Um, chased her up five days. And it was only when Google sent me one of those nudges on my Gmail saying, oh, yeah. you haven't had a response for five days. Do you want to chase this up? I was like, oh, my God, that's a long time. Mm. And it, it, for me, it's frustrating because... <laughs> and this is going to sound really arrogant, but I feel like I'm at a point in my career now where I don't get ghosted anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, the people that want to work with me genuinely want to work with me. And mm. I've carved myself out this lovely niche where no one else can do what I do and give people what I give them in the specifics of it. So it's very rare, if not unheard of, that someone will say they want to go ahead and then disappear off the face of the earth. Mm. And so I've definitely had a flavour of what that feels like. And also, I don't heavily push the consultancy side of my work. It, mm. You know, as it comes in, I do it. But it's not like I've got, well, you know, it's not like I've got these sort of targets where I've got to have this many projects going on a month you know I'm quite go with the flow on that kind of thing yeah I was really excited about this one and yeah. I just wanted it to happen and I'm and, and nobody knows it's not happening actually hmm. and but it but it's annoying I have sent one follow-up saying because it is my diary is getting really full I'm off to the states for the first part of June then I've got work you know there's going to come a point where I'm not going to be able to deliver this before the six week summer holiday so I'm always thinking ahead and then it starts to get a bit stressful because it I start to reflect that back on me so I feel like Mm. a bit like my print days where you know the exhibition is when the exhibition is and it's my problem if the client delays it's a bit Mm. the same with this you know We've lost two weeks at this end, but I'm still closing the studio down mid-July. Yeah. So it just gives me less time. So I think that's quite frustrating. Mm. 
And uh, and I don't want to be chasing. I'm not the kind of person that chases for work anymore. And again, my my business and my reputation is at a level where I shouldn't really have to be yeah. chasing for work. Yeah. And I don't think that starts the relationship off to the best terms either. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a lot to unpack, isn't there? But but if I if I think about it rationally, what I know is that the interaction I've had with this potential client up to this point has been quite impulsive mm-hmm. and then quite, there've been long gaps in mm-hmm. between. And because I don't have a client management system and I'm not following people up in a, a structured way like I would have done with the print company, yeah, you know, I'm very much, well, if you come back to me, you come back to me. And if you don't, you don't, obviously yeah. not not once you're a client <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and that sort of says that there's there's multiple ways of dealing with this if the decision point for example and a lot of clients ask me this should I be chasing people up mm. yeah, there's so many things to think about when you're answering that question isn't mm. there yeah and, you know as you've said hopefully a lot of us are in a position where we, we shouldn't we shouldn't in inverted commas have to be chasing people for work but and but there's also taking into account that the climate has changed somewhat. The working mm. climate has changed. I think our culture has changed massively. Certainly from the days when you were in print and I was working with you back then, the the pressures that people have on their time and their bandwidth yeah. has got to a point. It's almost I can see it as a pressure cooker now, and and we see this with the rise of autoimmune problems and mm. people having you know, burnout and experiencing that and obviously COVID and all of this kind of stuff. So we've had this real pressure cooker thing happening for quite a long time, it feels like, in our in our sort of society, that systemic picture. Yeah. And and something's got to break. And so if we work on old assumptions of, well, this is how things were, oh blimey, five days is a long time when people were instantly responding or whatever maybe we have to do some reassessment of, okay, well, what do we need to take into account to assess whether this is realistic? So one of the things you mentioned of, well, what's the pattern of that person's historical behaviour? Is this someone who has previously always come back and always been consistent? Or is there a pattern here that that can give us some reassurance that it's not us, that we don't have to take it personally? I think the general default position should be don't take things personally. Because quite often, more often than not, it's not going to be about you, particularly in a business relationship, because that person will have loads of other stuff going on. However, what I think what's important for us, if we're going to be in a more empowered space, is not to, in equal measure, stick your head in the sand and go ostrich and assume that there's nothing you can do to manage the situation or to do your due diligence to check, you know, quite strategically. Have I been clear? Have I set expectations has my communication been consistent have I Mm. asked for what I need have I actually set boundaries around time do I need to because Mm. quite often you sort of trust that people fall into a natural communication flow of mutual respect and hopefully you get someone who has a similar sort of timeline to you in terms of what feels like a long time or what feels like a short Mm. time yeah occasionally you can hit someone who's got a completely different um either neurotype or expectation and I find this with friends of mine as well you know some friends of mine they send me a whatsapp or a message and I haven't responded within the day 
they're mm. into a spiral of rejection. You know, it's like, oh my God, I'm, uh, you know, is this okay? Mm. Is this not okay? That's very rare. And then some friends or some co- clients or some colleagues, you'll, you'll drop them a note, you know, every month or every, mm. there's a, there's a sort of expectation that's built up, but occasionally we will get people that are a mismatch. And how do we spot that early? And what do we do about it? You raise a good point there, because that can be stressful. So if I think about my ongoing brand mentoring clients, where that works really well is that we set a new date at the end of the session, the client pays immediately after the session. And my very simple process is that once they've paid, I schedule a Zoom. And that's how I know that everything in the diary is paid for and I haven't got to to go chasing or you know has that thing happened where that goes awry is that when there's a big gap and and I think you're right it's that mismatch of working styles neurotypes timings where the client thinks in their head oh we're booked in for six weeks time as long as I pay for it on the morning of the session that's okay yeah 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 yeah, and that's really stressful for me and it's not how I do things. Yeah, and also because you need to, you know, they won't have necessarily the visibility of I'm shutting down for the summer, I need yeah. to get these sessions in. It's not like you're yeah. chasing the sessions, but you have to at least know, you need the security. We, As entrepreneurs and as freelancers, we need the security to know we've got a pipeline at some level. And so then it's this balancing act between, well, how do we meet our needs for security and get things locked down tight enough for us without putting undue pressure on the client, without making them feel hassled, without, you know, it's a real fine balancing act, isn't it? Totally. And I think for me, it's it's less about the security and more about not letting them down. So, you know, I will pencil in a date but if it's not paid for, it's not guaranteed. And as that gets closer, I'm not going to turn down work because someone's penciled in and then it gets stressful because then I'm having to go back and say, well, yeah. did you want it? Did you not? You know, and, yeah. and, and I don't like the chasing thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting about that chasing thing. Mm. When people ask me, should I chase them? There's always a nervousness around that. And I think it's because it's the wording of it. It's the framing of it. In having to send someone a follow-up email, we immediately potentially put it in the box of chasing them. Harassing. Harassing. Therefore, we're hounding them for work. Therefore, we're a bit desperate. Therefore, they're going to be put upon. They're, and mm. it sort of creates this sort of resistance, this tension to getting in touch. Whereas if you use a frame like, and I wouldn't use these words, but if you use a frame like reaching out or checking in, or managing the relationship or like you say doing due diligence making sure they're okay just having that frame change in your head can change it then the focus of the email and the tone of the email and the content isn't so much about oh god panic panic chase for work it's a maybe a reframing making sure things are clear giving yourself the opportunity to communicate things which they might not be aware of that might help factor their decision And also I think it's worth bearing in mind in a lot of these instances, the chances are is the client will have approached us for the work in the first place. So it's not like we've dragged them off the streets and tried to do the sales pitch and you have to do this and try to convince them. The chances are they open the door first. So you've kind of also got a level of carte blanche to to keep that door open because that's the expectation. Mm. Now there's a difference between... 
you know, sending someone an email on a Monday and you have it and, and your timeline means that by Tuesday afternoon you want to get that nailed down, you know, 24 hours might not be a reasonable time frame mm-hmm. for that. And so engaging that time frame is difficult. But I think if you are in communication with someone and you haven't heard from them in a week, then it's perfectly reasonable to reinstigate a conversation, if not sooner. I think even three days, but I'm glad you came back to this follow-up because I wanted to come back to it too. I think there's a few things I wanted to pick up on. So you, some of the phrases you used um, were around managing the relationship, checking in. From my perspective, that's very unappealing. And one of the reasons I don't want to chase is so I don't want to get into a relationship where I'm almost putting myself in this situation of accountability coach. Do you know what I mean? I have quite an empowered relationship with my clients where if I say to them, you're going to go away and you're going to do this, I just expect them to do it. I don't have the headspace or the bandwidth to be chasing. So there's Mm. a real reticence on my part, not just because I'm being up my own backside and think I'm beyond chasing but actually because if I'm having to chase at the start to make things happen it potentially puts me in quite an uncomfortable relationship with them where we've started that pattern of chasing yeah absolutely but I think the other thing is my feeling is that there are really great instances where Nobody else in your industry is following up. And actually, if you do, and I would see it as following up, if you do, you can really stand out. So I was talking to my brother-in-law, who's a um, bespoke cabinet maker. In his industry, people bash over an estimate and then it's, you know, it's left. Either you want it or you don't. And I was saying to him, actually, if you just check in and, and see what they thought. Yeah you probably convert a lot more. I think it's very similar in the building industry. So the building industry is so, you know, they are constantly overwhelmed with work. You never hear of a builder following up on a quote. And actually, kind of regret that we didn't go with them. But (laughs) the one builder that um, followed up on our quote I really, really appreciated it. It really set them apart as a much more professional outfit. Yeah, yeah. So I think there are, you know, there's times when you might not want to follow up. Like me, I don't want to get into that relationship with my client where there's an expectation that I will check in and check that they've done what they've said they're going to do. For me, my time frame was three working days feels about right you know we want to get this in the diary you've said you want to go ahead let's let's crack on with this yeah um and like we say I won't I won't follow up again what's interesting there though is now there's a bit of a red flag isn't there because I feel quite potentially quite exposed so if I was to do this quite big chunk of work do I want to feel as vulnerable and as uncomfortable about whether this client is committed, yes. whether they're going to go ahead, whether they're going to pay me for the work. Yeah. So I feel like there's a an opportunity here to probably re-establish how things are going to go forward because actually my normal, you pay me 50% to start and 50% when I deliver the work, I don't feel massively comfortable mm-hmm. because of the lack of communication. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's that brings into my mind these sort of key inflection points in our process where there are opportunities for reconfiguring if need be. So and, mm. and this sort of wraps into for me what I look at as red flags or orange flags. Yeah. So if you get a red flag with a client, I have a well tried and tested process with bringing people on and onboarding and it's re- it's a really simple one and I sort of have a red flag orange flag thing in my head. An orange flag is something that is going to need some redefining. It's not it's not a deal breaker, but it means yeah. that something is going to need to shift. And is if we can shift it, then green light, off we go. Red flag yeah. is I'm not working with this person for whatever reason. So a yeah. classic red flag would be someone will come to me and they will uh, say, I've you know, heard great things about you. I want to do this particular piece of work. And it might be in direct conflict with another long-standing client, in which case I, mm. I have to say, I'm really sorry, I can't do that piece of work. And it's a tricky one for me. So it's not that I do work with lots of people doing similar things. So for example, I work with lots of people in branding or I work with lots of artists and I thoroughly believe that there is space for everybody. But if somebody comes to me, for example, and this has happened a few times, <laughs> if somebody comes to me and says, I know you work with Fee Humberstone. I think she's fabulous. I want to do exactly what she does. Will you tell me how to do it? (laughs) I'm like, it's wonderful that you're so inspired and let's maybe help you find your own authentic magic. Um, So that's a kind of, you know, sometimes it's an orange flag, but sometimes it is Mm. a hard stop. So that that can happen. And sometimes someone will be referred by somebody else and said, oh, my Mm. husband, can I pay for a session for this person? Um, Mm. is an orange flag for me because does that person actually want coaching or mentoring or consultancy? There's a sort of checking out piece that has to happen. And I think this thing that you're saying is in the initial contacts with that client, you had some orange, potentially red flags that mean that there's been an inconsistency of communication. You're already starting to feel that internal nudge of slight frustration, feeling slightly precarious that's a flag you don't ignore. And then it's about, well, okay, what do I need? What parameters do I now need to set to, and then check again, whether you've got the green light for that. You know, you need to to get a good response in order to be able to say, right, this is a green light. And I think that will change because personally, I really don't mind if, when people come back to me at the inquiry stage. Yeah. That, you know, I'm absolutely fine with that. We're all busy. Mm. For me, there was a big red flag because there was a very definite verbal, let's get started. Yeah. And now 10 days have gone past. And that that is a hard boundary for me. Yeah. You know, we've all got boundaries, haven't we, about how we work and how comfortable we feel mm. about moving forwards. And I think... I guess for me, I just don't feel comfortable starting that project without having some form of resetting of boundaries. Yeah. And, it, and navigating that's going to be quite hard, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, not necessarily for you. But for me, it's going to be quite hard because I don't really want to start our relationship off on a negative note. Yes. At yeah. the same time, it isn't really me. <laughs> that has started off on the negative yeah, note. Yeah. So then it's about how do we put a boundary down in a in a really positive, mutually empowering way. Mm, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, because 
Because it should be for the purposes of clarity, for the purposes of really good. The only reason we need to set a boundary is not because you're being an arse. It's because Mm -hmm. you want the working relationship to be really smooth. You want to be able to give the client the best possible service. And Mm. some of that pre-framing for the client when you're setting a boundary can be really useful. Mm. And also using your experience and, and just simple things like, in my experience, this can happen. And Mm. I also appreciate and maybe there's some sort of insight you can get from the pattern of their communication and what have you. That means that you can throw in a sort of what what I'd call a pace setter. And I I get the sense that there might be a lot going on for you and you're quite busy. So just in the interest of making sure you get what you really need from this and I can Mm. really bring my best work. Can we have a conversation about tightening up a few things? Mm. And generally speaking, biggest hurdle for I think regardless of the content of your business whether you're a a service provider or whether you've been in a long time or a new startup the area with which to tighten up those boundaries is usually around communication and timing Mm. just establishing how are we going to communicate what I expect from you uh, in terms of a time frame for responding is that okay and also what's going to happen what are the consequences if that doesn't happen yeah and that's where you get the opportunity to fill them in on your picture so just so you know if the invoice isn't paid by that date then then that date gets released three days later so just so you know it's there's no pressure and it's totally fine but I just mm. want you to know and then it gives it back put it sit back in their hands doesn't yeah. mean you have to chase them again 24 hours before mm. if you establish your expectations check that it's okay let them know the consequences and give them a really positive framing for why you're doing that the setting of the boundary becomes just another lovely way of doing business rather than having to feel a little bit awkward or a little bit like you're throwing your toys out the pram and actually is your right to do that so that your business can tick along and also their life can tick along because I think what we forget as well on the other hand of the spectrum is if it's uncomfortable at your end it's also probably uncomfortable at theirs Mm, well she's probably feeling bad that exactly. she's got two emails in her inbox that haven't exactly. yet been and we all hate that pressure don't we I mean I have a lovely client who I adore who does brilliant things and I'm feeling that pressure at the moment because I've just seen an email pop into my inbox going I'm just bumping this back up to the top of your inbox because I owe her <laughs> something that I haven't bloody sent her and you know yeah. it's like oh we we all drop balls and mm. and so I think just being open about that and acknowledging that that happens and yet I'm also not going to establish that as being okay ongoing setting a very clear expectation and a consequence I think can people can turn around and then if it's too much for them and the and the other piece of that is when somebody then doesn't fulfill what they have committed to fulfill then we have to have the I was going to say the balls we have to have the boobs to be able to say, actually, we agreed this. Mm. It's, it's almost like how many strikes before you're out. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you set a boundary and then they roll over it and then you don't reassert the boundary, then you might as well have not set it in the first place because mm. we can very easily, you know, it can be a big thing to set the first boundary and then we forget any of the sort of orange flags down the line and we don't notice when that boundary is being eroded and then it mm. gets into that nightmare where we end up with, a client that is is a little bit of a nightmare for, through no fault of their own, but just because we didn't persistently hold that. So I think there's the initial boundary setting and then there's the monitoring of it and the monitoring of it in a very low pressure, low stress way. You just notice it and you just you just redirect. Or if it's if you've given a hard consequence, you pull the plug. 
So I think my sense in this situation is this client is probably going to come back in the next week or two. Mm. Quite uplifting. Well, yes, let's go ahead. And, it, and if it's two weeks, we're going to be heading into half term and then I'm going to New York. And, and you know, then I'm into that period where I don't have a lot of time. So things are going to be tight. So that is my point where I need to be saying to her, that's amazing. I'm really excited for this. Um, and I can't wait to get going. There's been quite a time lag between you giving me the verbal go ahead and you paying my invoice and responding to this. And and given that, we need to reset. Yeah. Or we need to redefine maybe how we do things so that I can get this delivered for you in the timescale that you need it. And it works for both of us. So that's when you're saying redefine communication expectations. So my sense with this client is realistically it's going to happen. But I would think it's also worth us exploring that spiralling process that can happen. If you don't have maybe that bank of evidence that this client's been a bit skittish all the way up to this point and that's just their personal style. You, you said at the beginning that you've got clients who have really spiralled as mm. a result of being ghosted. Yeah, and I think if I think about, there's two in particular that I'm thinking of, they're running relative, so they're very experienced professional women who have started up new enterprises. So then the space yeah. that they're in is new. So the confidence in, although they're confident in themselves as as being you know highly professional and they know how to do business, in this new realm, they may be not as confident and mm. so the inst- the instinctive thing is rejection. And mm. what can happen is that they can go into that space where they're starting to question whether they should be doing it at all. I mean, that's at one end, that's at oh. one extreme end of the spectrum. And should I be doing this? So the last three proposals I've sent out have all come, you know, two of them have ghosted me and one of them said no, but very nicely or whatever it is. <laughs> and, yeah. and that, you know, and then oh, you think, okay, tough. it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. But it also does happen, doesn't it? If you think about the scale, like think early on in the printing days, you'd send out loads of quotes and proposals and some would come off and some wouldn't. And there's a volume mm. thing, which means that it doesn't, almost doesn't matter. But when there's not a huge volume and you're maybe mm. at the early outset getting one or two inquiries they're like they're everything to you aren't they yeah like, of course oh, I've put in so much work for this media kit and I I had this call with them or, I, or I'm trying to get them to the conversation you know you put so much stock on it and ghosting's brutal isn't it because oh. my instincts is to say has she got feedback as to why the quotes haven't gone ahead yeah and I just want to say like if you're it's tempted to ghost rude. just don't because it's so yeah. It's so unnecessary. There are always kind things that you can say, aren't there? And I think if we look at the reasons why people ghost, I would like to think on behalf of humanity that it's not, you know, there's just a whole load of narcissists out there that just think other people aren't valuable and they just they just think they don't matter. (laughs) You know, I kind of would hope that. Often it could be if you're a prospective client and someone has given their time to you to tell them about your business, to put a lovely media kit together, to get excited about the prospect of working with you. And for whatever reason you think, actually, this isn't the person I I should be working with. The person doing the ghosting or potentially doing the ghosting Mm -hmm. could be riddled with a bit of anxiety around that 
because it's it's almost like it's all it's almost like if we switch it out into another analogy it's almost like dating lots of friends of mine are on these dating apps they go out and they mega date you know they meet loads of people or what have you and there comes a point where one or other of you will decide whether you like that person or not and whether it's going to go any further I'm guessing Mm -hmm. and the person who decides that that person isn't for them it's very easy in an online space to just drop contact right and it kind of just becomes expected because the alternative is to say I don't really like you (laughs) And, and it's awkward so one thing that's striking me and if we think back to what we were talking about at the beginning about following up mm. there's no doubt going back to someone and saying actually we've gone with someone else or actually you were too expensive or who the hell do you think you are charging this much money or yeah, yeah. whatever is difficult takes some time if you want to do it kindly mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time yeah and I think, I don't know whether your ghosted client has followed up, but I think this is where following up is really important. Yeah. Because there's this assumption, I think, that quoting is just part of the job. Mm. And we often don't see the energy or the time that people put into these quotes or proposals. We don't really value that. And if, if we're not following up on that, there is this potential assumption that, the person at the other end is is not really expecting a response. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think if there is a follow up, then yeah. that that really and and then if you're ghosted, I I do genuinely think that's just quite bad manners. I did a proposal for a government quango a couple mm. of weeks ago, and I spent an incredibly long time scoping out a branding workshop which had been asked for and we'd agreed a date and at the end of the conversation she said you know we are going through a procurement process so I am talking to someone else as well and that threw me a bit because I'm not I I don't tend to pitch for work anymore but I thought okay I'll just have to make sure my proposal's the nuts then and she can't say no yeah yeah so I sent it over and it it probably took me half a day to do Mm -hmm. this I mean I don't have half a day to spend on a single project Mm. and yeah I sent it over three days later nothing right so a very polite follow-up email saying just wanted to check that you've got it and you know just see see if you've got any thoughts yet And she came back to me about a week after that Mm. saying, thank you so much. We're not going ahead, not because of price, but because actually we've decided we've got enough going on at the moment and we're not going ahead at all. (laughs) Oh, my God. You can imagine the phone call that Fee and I had after that one. Um, (laughs) But I mean, that's another boundary thing, isn't it? Because I felt very strongly that I am not in the business of just... Yeah. Spending half a day on a proposal that may or may not even happen. And you made a good point that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not expecting to win them all, but I yeah. would expect someone yeah. <laughs> to win it. And interestingly, in the conversation that we had around it, the first sort of orange flag for me um, was what you said initially government quango so yeah. you work in you work in private sector i've done quite yeah. a bit of work in public sector so i kind of know mm-hmm. how that ship sails mm-hmm. and and quite often, mm. you know, they'll put something out to tender. They'll get a load of people to pitch. Some people, I mean, it was, it, 
we sort of were quite slightly bamboozled because normally as that happens, you don't then have a a good conversation with someone where you start to build a relationship and you get a date in the diary normally when well and, pitch, and we mapped out the content i mean we're not talking <laughs> yeah so that is that is rare in those scenarios normally you mm. get a pa on the phone going we've got this thing going on would you like to pitch it's gone out right. to ten, 10 people send us your best shot kind of thing and you kind of would in those circumstances you go well have i got the time to do it maybe i haven't is it a new space i want to get into there's all of those mm. questions but in this instance, you had fairly good signals that the work was yours and almost that the yeah. tender process, because it would be with a quango because they have to tick all various boxes. Yeah. The tender process was really just a box ticking exercise and the work was yours. Yeah. I mean, every communication up till that point, the work was happening and it mm. was mine and it was just a throwaway comment at the end Yeah. that yeah. cast any of that into shade at all so it was an interesting one I mean and it's funny you know at the start of this you said it's been happening a lot I mean I've not come across I can't this doesn't happen very often and I I really think there is a lot going on I mean the number of marriages breaking down in sort of in my extended network feels unprecedented at the moment and that might just be our age it might just be that we've got to that point, sadly, where there are more divorces than there are marriages happening. But I also mm. think it's very directly linked to lockdown and yes. and all of the aftermath of that. And mm. I think that is putting people in a very difficult and unprecedented situation where they've got far more important things to be getting on with than responding to my proposal so I think yeah exactly and this is the pressure cooker thing I was talking about yeah yeah and I think in all of this we need to give people a bit of grace I think for our Mm. own sanity so there's a sort of general understanding and we I think we said this in a really early episode before after after lockdown and I said you know the the grace has gone we were we were allowed to fall apart during lockdown we were allowed to not work terribly hard on our businesses and that was forgiven and now it's back to business as usual and there's no grace there's no forgiveness no and I think we need it more now than we did yeah. during lockdown didn't we I do so I think I think we can give people some grace and some flex and that doesn't mean that we all become doormats to the detriment of no. our business and our sanity so there are some things I think just in general within your business process that can really help establish ways of working and boundaries what's your go-to for that well I think being aware of first of all what what I need and how I need things to be done so I'm I'm quite aware of the things that I'm okay with and the things that I'm not you know and I and that comes from years of having the design agency so for me you know having that security of payment and a and a strong payment schedule communication mm. is really really important to me um you know locking down a contract is not important to me so i think there's so having those that awareness of those boundaries is everything mm. setting really clear expectations about what's going to be delivered how it's going to be delivered when it'll be delivered preempting any conflicts all of that happens through my media kit so I streamline everything and that's designed to get people on board in the best possible way. Yeah. I can't mitigate against the people that choose not to read it, but I do yeah. get signs when they haven't read it properly. Yeah. So it's kind of reiterating those things and 
and drawing those out before there's it's a problem and and I think for me you know listening to you talking about monitoring the boundaries and and making sh- and reasserting them that's not something I want to be doing so for me it's about kind of this is the boundary yeah I suppose what I meant by that for you is when they break it if they break it because they hopefully mm-hmm. if you've asserted it well and there's clarity and there's agreement then they don't break it all being well yeah but I suppose in in your scenario because you're right you shouldn't get into monitoring on, no. an, on an ongoing basis what I mean is keeping your eye out and if they if they break it don't let them get away with it mm. and, and what I mean by that is no the boundary's been broken this was a hard boundary um mm. therefore this project either can't go ahead or it cannot be delivered in the time frame that you wanted or the price mm. has to change or whatever it is I suppose it's just not inadvertently falling back into the thing that you were trying to avoid in the first place yeah, yeah. in reality I mean, it, I do think we're entering new times in yeah. that I've I've not had this many sticky situations mm-hmm. in yeah. a very long time. I, yeah. ca- I can't yeah. remember when. And, and I really don't think that's because people don't respect me or my no. work isn't good enough. Genuinely, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think people have got a lot of stuff going on at the yeah, moment. And people are more, more, um, price sensitive now I mean that is Mm -hmm. just a reality so Mm -hmm. so people take longer to make some of those decisions for it's not that they don't want it any less it's just that maybe logistically realistically in financial situations they're having to balance more things now Mm. and you know depending on which market you work in we see this in sort of some of my clients are in the fundraising sector in some pockets there's loads of funding available for B Corps and people doing great projects mm. and special science projects and all of that kind of stuff. And for other people in certain markets, the funding budgets have been slashed yeah. because the government yeah. hasn't got a lot of money. And so depending on where you get your your financial resources from is going to affect the business. And we have to be realistic about that mm. Yeah, without underselling ourselves or just doing work with the people we don't want to be working with just because they'll pay the bills. It's, it's a constant... Mm balancing act isn't it yeah totally and I'm thinking if we can do a sort of hard left onto a slightly different area of this I'm thinking about uh, particular clients who are quite good at, at re-establishing boundaries but it can be a scenario that your boundaries might have shifted or your working way of working might have shifted or your prices yeah. might have changed or your offerings might have changed over time and old yeah. clients or people that maybe don't know about your the evolution of your business come back to you. And yeah. that can be, I mean, that's a crucial inflection point, isn't it, to be able to negotiate. Yeah. And I, I get this quite often. You know, I've worked, a lot of my clients come in big cycles. So they'll, they'll work yeah. really intensively with me for a period of time, whether that's a few months or a couple of years or, you know, even a few weeks in some circumstances if it's a really focused yeah. project. And, yeah. and then they might dip back in some months later. And some of them will go away for two years and then come back and do another really intensive piece of work. And mm. in that time frame, my prices might have changed. My approach might have changed. My boundaries might have changed. And so I think we need to be vigilant to just check it, not making assumptions, basically, just checking in of this is how I'm working now. Does that work for you? 
I'm, I'm aware that what you liked before was this. I'm not offering this or I am offering this. You know, just just checking in mm. on that because we can yeah. very easily get in, in hot water. I mean, I have a protocol where more often than not, I mean, I, I don't lift my prices very often, but more often than not, when a client comes on with me, I will honour as close as I can to the original rate that we were working on if it, yeah. know, if it works for me, if I've got the bandwidth for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that has served, and, I, and I'm not necessarily recommending that to everybody because it can be a business tanking strategy as well, depending on how much pipeline you've got. And a, and a nightmare to stay on track with who's on what rate as well. Yeah, exactly. You need to have that pinned down. But I think I'm very lucky in that I have a constant stream of referrals and I have this constant cycling mm. system going on. Yeah. And I found actually that's been really helpful for me because over if I if I look at the clients I've worked with for 10 years, yeah. over that period of time, you know, those guys, regardless of what rate they're on, have paid my mortgage. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I'm very grateful. So I, I think yeah. there's, I think it's just about being being vigilant to that and just making sure that people are aware and they have clarity and and that you feel OK about if stuff mm. has changed, because the downside, if you don't. So I have a particular client who's brilliant in this space. They've they've just changed what they're offering from their particular studio and they've decided quite firmly that they're not going to be taking on certain clients anymore. And that was okay. about 60% of what they were doing before. So it's potentially a big risk, but they've decided yeah. they're not they do not want to be working in this space anymore. But of course there's a time lag because they're still known for that stuff and the projects that they've done in that space are still coming in. Mm. And so then it's how do you, and the work that comes in is attractive, you know, it's well paid. Yeah. It's, it could be interesting. Yeah. They know how to do it really well, but because, and there's this really potentially challenging space of no, we've made a commitment to move in this new direction and mm. we have to make space in order to do yeah. that. And yeah. Because if you say yes to something that's not quite right, you're going to have to say no to the potentially really right thing that comes next week that you haven't got any visibility yeah. of. Yeah. And I think that yeah. becomes harder when we're under financial pressure. Yeah. So I suppose, I mean, the reason I'm raising that is it's a, it's a bold thing to do, but if you can hold your nerve, I see evidence time and time again of how that can really pay off provided the new direction that you're moving in is really congruent with you and aligned and there's you know sound business reasons for it so have you had any sticky have you had to have any sticky conversations um sticky conversations i mean probably you don't think of them as sticky because you just <laughs> you Still just nail them <laughs> <laughs> i don't always um <laughs> Have I had sticky conversations? Well, I've had sticky conversations with um, with a client when I haven't delivered, when I've dropped the ball on something, actually. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a big deal by any stretch of the imagination and that it wasn't a massive project. It was just I'd promised I'd send a follow-up email and I'd com- I didn't schedule it into my usual scheduler and I forgot. Yeah. It was, I think it was like the first week CJ was at school and there was just loads of stuff going on and I, I just dropped mm-hmm. the ball. And when we had the, our follow-up call, there was a really awkward moment as we'd had a session in book to the next week, there was a really awkward moment where because I'd completely forgotten about it and then they started talking about it and then I realised I'd dropped the ball, but yeah. she didn't want to tell me that I'd dropped the ball and I just messed <laughs> up. I was just like, oh my God, I've just realised I haven't done yeah. this for you. Yeah. And she was sort of a little bit mortified, but also was really cross that I had dropped the ball. Yeah. And I was like, 
that's okay. You're allowed to be cross. I shouldn't have let you down. Mm. How can we sort this out? So I think that happens. Yeah. And, and I think most of my clients hopefully know that they can give me any feedback and, and I won't think any differently about them. And if I need to pull my socks up, then I'll pull my socks up without going Mm. into a, into a spiral. Yeah. But that, I mean, thankfully that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen very often. I mean, it happens occasionally with you or I, if I drop a ball on a, on, you know, the online course I'm checking and it's like, uh, Elizabeth, I've just spotted a typo in the third chapter and that was on your watch or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. But, you know, you, we know each other well enough that you can say whatever you like to me. <laughs> but and also I think it's that understanding between clients that hopefully everybody wants everything to go well and hopefully... Mm-hmm everybody they'd be mortified at letting anybody down and I think this is the sort of this is more of the grace that we're talking about here really there's another scenario where new boundaries might need to be laid down which can be quite sticky and I think this happens in long-term relationships with clients and I was talking to another client earlier on today who is a contractor in a role very senior and has been with this particular company, I don't know, for about a year. Yeah. The expectations, the parameters in which the relationship started had a certain look and feel, and there were certain expectations in there. And obviously when you're working in a slightly bigger organisation, a challenger, fast-growth startup company, Mm. and in an organisation, the dynamics and how things play out can take a bit longer to read. You know, if it's a one-on-one scenario with a client, you get feedback pretty quickly but when yeah. you're working in a team or an organisation, the feedback to get the lay of the land can take a bit longer. So your feet are already under the table by the time you realise, oh, maybe I'm under the wrong table. Mm. <laughs> and, and then you have this very tricky, particularly if you're working at a senior level, very tricky conversation to have around, hang on a minute, I thought I was here to do this. Yeah. Uh, what I, and, and in order for me to do that, the organisation and the other people in it need to do this but yeah. that's not happening. Hang on, I'm bringing my end to the party. What are you going to do about that? And there mm. comes a point, and particularly for this client, where where she needs to make a decision about, well, if they can't, if the organisation can't move in the direction that she needs them to go in to do her job, she's going to have to walk away. Yeah. Because she can't do her job with integrity if she doesn't. Mm. And that's a real crux point, particularly in an industry where there's not a lot of work around, where you're yeah. relatively senior and therefore relatively expensive. And then what do you do if you find yourself on the shelf? Yeah. And so I think as an empowered entrepreneur and someone who is committed to being inspired in their work and doing their best job, we are going to come up against these edges of difficult decisions where we have to choose ourselves. We yes. have to choose the integrity of how we want to work. We have to choose the freedom that we want to create for ourselves we have to be a bit brave, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I want to start thinking about the kind of takeaways that people can get from our deep exploration, deep and wide-ranging exploration (laughs) today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we've definitely covered the importance of resetting boundaries and the importance of communication, which is such a good point. So this is highlighted really well with the quango, I think. I instinctively knew that I still want to work with them, but I needed to go back and reset mm. a boundary and say, 
don't come to me if <laughs> if you're not sure that there's <laughs> so I instinctively exactly. knew that I wanted to go back and reset that boundary and just make it very clear that I don't have time to be pitching for work that might not happen but mm. this was an industry that I am not used to dealing with at all it's a set of mm. expectations that I'm not used to dealing with and I wanted to check with you is this just how things should be done and I that sort of mm. was also tying in with what you were saying about these clients of yours that have been ghosted that are working in new industries is you know when we don't know how things are done it can be tricky to navigate yes absolutely and I think there's two points there so yes most industries will have cultural expectations of what goes on so if you work in public sector there are certain things that always happen in public sector things like funding cycles for example it's fairly predictable and everyone gets in a panic in March and has to spend all their budgets by April and you know various things like that and there's also certain things in a culture that you think hang on just because this has been in the culture forever do we need to put up with it and I think one of the beautiful things about being an entrepreneur that's crossing different working culture spaces is some places can get the benefit of what's good about other industries or other cultural norms within sectors so for example the government could do brilliantly from having some entrepreneurial input into how it's run instead of the slow pace of public sector and I know a lot of civil servant friends and they're all wonderful people doing incredible jobs but oh my goodness are they pushing water uphill with the culture and the way things have historically been done and so in that sector I think yes with government with quangos there are certain things that are the case however when you bump up against those things that are just bad manners and are, and are just allowed because everyone goes, oh, it's just the way the government works or it's just the way the NHS is or it's just the way that people are in media, whatever the sector is that we're trashing, if we come across something that isn't OK, I think it's OK to say, actually, I think there could be something better here because what we'll probably find is people who are operating within that probably largely unconscious about the culture that they've merged themselves into and they probably also would like things to be a little different they just need an opportunity but it's just not on their radar because this is how business is done right so I don't think we should be afraid to occasionally give someone a deer or if needed a poke up the backside to go hang on a minute there's a respectful way of doing business. There's a way that's going to make this work better. And that way we can be change makers for the better if we've got standards. And I think if those standards are ones that put care and integrity and respect and innovation and inspiration and empowerment at the heart, then it's, no, it's going to be no bad thing to have more of that going around, right? Exactly. So we started this conversation by you talking about the emotional impact that slipping boundaries and ghosting and red flags can have what can we do to mitigate against that what would be your biggest takeaways well I think what you've already said about being very clear about what it is you need and then communicating that via a beautiful media kit or whatever communications you need. so clarity of understanding and communication I mean this is a perfect opportunity to throw some hippie wisdom in really I would come back to the tolic wisdom and the four agreements and one of those agreements is don't take anything personally because quite often it's not about you. And I think as a basic rule for general sanity in life, 
it's it's not about us often and we don't have to respond like it is we can we can respect ourselves and honor our integrity in business and honor the other person by just giving a bit more grace because most of the business owners i know and who i work with are absolutely extraordinary and brilliant and also have no idea how extraordinary and brilliant they are and i think this is what we're walking around with this sort of doubt about about our brilliance and our the incredible stuff that we bring to our clients and and so just without being because i don't think there's any danger in me saying this of everybody turning into narcissistic what's it and just going around being the big i am but i think almost every client i know could do with having a badge that just says i'm fucking brilliant <laughs> and i think i think that's worth remembering so we don't have to approach things from from the sort of timid oh god what what have i done wrong because that is that is the reflex of a lot of people and and maybe it's not that maybe it's just something else so basically in a nutshell remember that you're brilliant remember that you're brilliant get your ducks in a row and and be kind to yourself and other people yeah happy days happy days (laughs) oh thank you lovely great chat thank you thank you so much for tuning in to style and substance we really hope you've enjoyed the show You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.